Our scripture today comes from Psalm 146 and then Mark 12, starting with verse 28. Let's read Psalm 146 first. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, O my soul. I will praise the Lord as long as I live. I will sing praises to my God all my life long. Do not put your trust in princes, in mortals in whom there is no help. When their breath departs, they return to the earth. On that very day, their plans perish. Happy are those whose help is in the God of Jacob, whose hope is in the Lord their God, who made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, who keeps faith forever, who executes justice for the oppressed, who gives food to the hungry. The Lord sets the prisoners free. The Lord opens the eyes of the blind. The Lord lifts up those who are bowed down. The Lord loves the righteous. The Lord watches over the strangers. He upholds the orphan and the widow, but the way of the wicked he brings to ruin. The Lord will reign forever. You are God, O Zion, for all generations. Praise the Lord. And now here from Mark 12, starting with verse 28. One of the scribes came near and heard them disputing with one another. And seeing that Jesus answered them well, he asked him, Which commandment is the first of all? Jesus answered, The first is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. And the second is this, You shall love the, your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. Then the scribe said to him, You are right, teacher, and you have said, for you have said that there... Um, Excuse me, for you have truly said that he is one, and beside him there is no other. And to love him with all the heart, and with all the understanding, and with all the strength, and to love one's neighbor as oneself, this is much more important than all whole burnt offerings and sacrifices. When Jesus saw that he answered wisely, he said to him, You are not far from the kingdom of God. After that, no one dared to ask him any question. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. As I, or as we have remembered in prayer just a few moments ago, uh, this is the day that we recognize All Saints Day. It's the day in our church year when we remember those who have gone on before us in the faith, but more than that even, it's the day that we remember what we say when we say the Apostles' Creed. And we believe in the communion of the saints. That is, we believe that all of God's people, dead and alive, worship God together across heaven and earth and across time and space. It's a day when we remember that when we worship God, we do it with all of those that God has saved through His Son. But because it's a day that we remember those who have gone on to God and have departed from our presence, it's also a day that brings sadness. You know, in my mind today are several people I'm thinking about uh, my friend Jade who died uh, just before I went to seminary. And it was in preaching his funeral, the first funeral I ever did, that I started to really understand my call. And I'm thinking about my grandfathers, uh, Calvin and Jack, who I mentioned, who uh, I gave their eulogies, and it was doing that that 
I felt God's presence with me, calling me to do what I'm doing today, even. Even more than, than them, I'm thinking today in particular about the folks in our charge who have uh, died in the last year, and especially the folks whose funerals I did, um, Shirley and Lucille. And you know that those are hard days. It's the hard days, not just for your minister. Um, it's hard days for a church as well. And of course it's hard days for the families who are mourning. But one of the things I found about doing those funerals and being there with folks is that in the middle of all of that hardship, there's this great privilege of being there with someone and praising God in the middle of that, of knowing that God is there when everything seems so wrong. And to have that holy moment where you know that God is present with you. And I'm sure that as we talk about these things, names and faces come to your minds as well. And we mourn those people who have died and have gone on to the Lord. But with our mourning comes praise as well, because we remember with gratitude the way that God has used His saints, the people that He has saved, that's all a saint is, to show us what it means to follow Him and uh, to worship Him together. And we glorify God because we know that we are with them still because we worship God together in heaven and on earth. And so this day that we're talking about, All Saints Day, it, it reminds us of this situation that we are in as human beings. We are in between suffering and rejoicing this day and every day. And you know, this psalm that I just read knows this place really well. It says, praise the Lord, praise the Lord, O my soul. I will praise the Lord as long as I live. I will sing praises to God all my life long. And they seem like such happy words, such a joyous thing to say, and it is. But there's also a note of tragedy there because the, the, the person who wrote this psalm knows that someday death will end the praise that he is offering. And he gives us these little hints that not everything is right in this world, even while we're praising God. There are princes who can't be trusted, he says. There are the oppressed and the hungry who are still among us. There are prisoners, there are blind people and people who are bowed down. There are strangers and orphans and widows and even wicked people. And praising God, praising God, this psalm tells us, doesn't mean that we're ignorant about those things. It doesn't mean that we ignore reality, that we ignore the things in ourselves and in our world that simply aren't right. Because we do live in a world where there's pain and there's sorrow. There's pain and sorrow involved in every step we take. You can't escape it as a human being. And the psalm warns us that whatever plans we might make, whatever we think that we might do in this life, that all of those plans come to an end because still the reality is that human beings ultimately die. And try as we might, we're unable to escape that kind of suffering that we know in our world that we're the victims of sometimes and sometimes that we cause ourselves. We are sinful creatures in a broken world. 
But amid our sin and amid the world's brokenness, God gives us a gift. This amazing gift of being able to praise Him. And it seems counterintuitive because sometimes we don't feel like praising God. But the psalm says that because of the help that we have in God, because of the hope that we have in God, we can praise God even when we are sinful and broken and in a world of sin and brokenness. If we're going to praise God like the person who wrote this psalm, we have to do so uh, mindful of the life that we actually know here on earth, a life where we know pain and injustice because praise, you know, praise isn't just putting on a happy face. A lot of people, when they hear uh, the word praise, they think of sort of, you know, like you pretend everything's okay, maybe it's happy and clappy, and, and you pretend that everything is just all right. Everything is good. But that's not what praise looks like in Psalm 146, because the psalm knows that the, the world is not all right that there are things that are going wrong. But still, it gives us this hope that God is alive and moving, that God hasn't abandoned us, that God is still with us, that God is going to do something. God is going to do something about the things that are wrong. And so, even though we can't fully wrap our minds around all the ways that God is, is active and, and working in our lives and in our world, we still can be a part of what God is doing by praising Him, by giving God's own gift back to Him. God gives us the gift of praise, and we return that gift to Him by praising Him. And this is what true praise looks like. True pra praise is knowing both the pain of the world and the glory of God. You know, we can praise God in that way because we worship a God who's not afraid to get his hands dirty. You know, God's not aloof from the problems of this world, and God's not aloof from your problems. And he doesn't expect us to be aloof from the problems of this world either, floating around like everything is all just okay and we're happy all the time. You know, the God that we know in Jesus is a God who shows up in the world, and who himself undergoes suffering, not only on the cross, but in his whole, through his whole life. Isaiah will tell us that uh, he was a man of suffering, acquainted with grief. That God suffers with us and for us, and with us face to face. That God became flesh in Jesus tells us that God wants a face-to-face relationship with the people in this world, a one-on-one -on -one relationship with the people that he made and loves, and he is there with them. We don't worship a God who's just sort of off in the distance and doesn't have anything to do with what's going on here, who kind of sets the wheels in motion and lets things go. We worship a God who shows up in the person of a first century Jewish man in the Middle East, a world away from us, but yet right here in our world. And what this tells us, that God would show up and walk around and talk to people, it tells us that God wants us to have a genuine conversation with him, 
to be able to actually tell him what's going on in our lives. When we have fear and doubt and anger and all of those things, God wants to hear that. Because God already knows what you're going through. God already knows the problems that you face in this life. That's why he came. We can tell him when we're angry and when, we're, when we doubt, when we're sad. We can tell God those things. And that's not the opposite of praise. That's part of praising God. Because part of praising God is being honest and trusting God. Trusting God with being faithful to us when we're honest about what we're going through. You know, this psalm gives us a couple of hints about what that conversation looks like. <coughs> it reminds us not to put our trust in princes and mortals in whom there's no help. And that verse calls to mind uh, what happens in 1 Samuel 8 when uh, the people of Israel go to Samuel and they say, we want a king. We want a king like all the other nations. And Samuel says, no, look, you don't want a king. A king's going to abuse you. A king's going to take your crops. The king's going to take your children. You don't want a king. You know, God has been ruling you in a conversational way. He's been ruling you through these judges. He's been speaking with them and speaking to you. You've had this great, amazing access to a one-on-one relationship with God. But the people, Samuel tell, or 1 Samuel tells us, don't listen. They refuse to listen. And so they cut off the conversation. And so for a time at least, God gives them over to the suffering that will come from their kings. But, but, the psalm tells us that that's not the final word. Because this same God who was there for Jacob, the, the very person that Israel gets named after, the same God who made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, it says he will keep faith forever. Mortals die and conversation with them must stop. Kings aren't reliable, but God is utterly reliable. And so our ability to have a conversation with God will never come to an end because that's God's gift to us. You know, because God is faithful to us, praising God means trusting Him with our hardships and our failures and our doubts. This isn't, you know how people, when someone will ask you, how are you doing? What does everyone always say? I say this too, fine, I'm doing fine. And that's not a terrible thing to say. I'm not saying you should find everyone you meet, you should dump all your emotions on them. That's probably not productive. But that's not the kind of conversation that we're talking about when we're praising God. Because God wants us to lift up to Him what we are going through. God wants us to be able to praise Him in the middle of that. (coughs) And God gives us the gift of being able to be honest with Him because we know that He is faithful to us. And that's not easy. It's not easy because it, go, it asks us to go into, the, into our guts and acknowledge what's going on between us and God. But you know what? I found that it's not the perfect shiny people. It's the people who have known suffering, who know best how to praise God. And sometimes as I get ready for my sermons, I'll have a conversation with a couple of people about uh, the, the verse in question. And, and in one of my conversations to get ready for this, um, I was talking to someone about a friend of hers. 
And this friend uh, became estranged from her son. And their relationship was just falling apart. And she, as any mother would, was just grieving. Just grieving. And in the middle of all this going on with her and her son, she had to move. Move two hours away from where she'd lived most of her life. And so this woman who's going through all of this hardship finds herself driving back to this Bible study at the church she had known for all of those years. She could have found a new church, all of that. But she found herself going back there. And the reason that she kept going back there was that she knew she needed to go to a place where she could praise God and go to a place where she could have a conversation with God about what she was going through. And she knew she could find it there. And the church was the church for her because it gave her a place to do that. And they were able to pray those prayers with her and be present with her and be with her as she lifted up all that she was going through to God. And she knew in her bones that she had to go to that place so she could have conversation with God. But you know, conversation with God doesn't stop in the church walls. And it even doesn't stop in our prayers. Because the way that praise of God, the way that conversation with God is supposed to go, is it's supposed to spill over into our life in the world. Where our conversation isn't just one-on-one with God, it involves everyone that we love. We, we, we heard that in the story that Jesus tells, uh, or that, that we hear in Mark, where Jesus has asked, what's the greatest commandment? He says it's to love God, and then to love your neighbor. So the way that we love God and praise God then spills over into how we love our neighbors. And you don't have to be a perfect person to do that. You don't have to have your whole life perfect and shiny and new to give God praise. And you don't have to present to God sort of a perfect prayer that only says happy things and, and call that praise. In the same way, you don't have to have a perfect, happy life to be a blessing to other people and for God to be present with you. God in this psalm tells us the Lord keeps faith forever. He executes justice for the oppressed. He gives food to the hungry. He sets the prisoners free. He lifts up those who are bowed down. He loves the righteous. He watches over the strangers. He upholds the orphan and the widow. But the way of the wicked he brings to ruin. How does God do these things? How does God care for all of these people? Well, he does it. He does it through the people that he made. And that's an act of praise. Imperfect people in an imperfect world praising God in their words and in their actions. And I think about some of the things that I know have gone on in this charge. Um, Just the, uh, well, several weeks ago, uh, you know, Dora Lou let me know that she had some of her sister's furniture that she wanted to see go to someone in need. And uh, we had various things happen that kept us from doing that right, right at the moment, but we finally were able to get that very generous gift uh, to homeless people in Tupelo that are going to be able to have a new start in life. And we did that not only because of her generous gift, but because of Billy and Daniel, who the harp sent to help us move the furniture to the charge building, and then Alan and Cully and, and Greg uh, helped us get it from there to Tupelo. And we're not talking about, I mean, this isn't, it's not going to make the nightly news. It's not some earth-shattering thing. But it matters because God was in it. 
And God was present with all of those people uh, who gave of their time and their energy and their resources to make a difference for somebody else who really needed it. And so y'all working together, working together, were working with God. God was present there with people who aren't perfect, don't have everything right, but that God has brought the conversation that he has with us amid our imperfections into a conversion of life that makes a difference for someone else. You know, as we were driving uh, to Tupelo, I was talking to Alan Barnett, and uh, he told me about one of the things he really likes about his sort of mowing side business that he does is he's able to help a lot of older folks who need not only somebody to mow their yard, uh, but also somebody to just be a friendly voice, uh, somebody who can invite them to church, Somebody who can be there for them and check on them. And that doesn't seem like a big deal, but it is a big deal because it's loving your neighbor. You don't have to, I mean, of course, there's a lot of work to be done in reaching out to people all over the world. It's very important. Um, but we can also find people who need the love of God who are our neighbors, who are right next door to us. And when we do that, God is with us there and God is bringing our imperfect work to completion. God has promised us, what he promises us in this psalm is that God will reign. It says, the Lord will reign forever. Your God, O Zion, for all generations. And it's because God's love will reign forever that we now, for all generations, in every generation, can praise God. And our praise of God is an anticipation of what it looks like when God will reign. Our praise in our words and our praise in our deeds. It's an anticipation of the day when God brings to fulfillment all the hard conversations that we've had, all the mourning that we have had, and He gives the final answer to that in the day where He does away with mourning and crying and pain and brings His kingdom in the full. So when we praise God... When we praise God in that way, we praise Him because we know what He has promised. We know that He's with us. We know that His saints who have gone on before praise Him in heaven with us. And that we can rejoice because He has brought us into a conversation with Him. No matter where we are, no matter where we are in our lives, no matter where we are in this world. And so today, on All Saints Day, let's join together with all the saints, with all of God's people, in saying, praise the Lord.